What's up, everybody? This is Grant, that cause artist. Great to be back this week. This week, we are chatting with Brandon Harvey. He is the founder of Good Good Good, which is a ecosystem of good, but it's really a passion project is its newspaper. <laughs> I know that sounds weird in 2019, but he is creating a fantastic, innovative, uh, creative newspaper that is talking about stories from around the world, start talking about helpers and people who are doing things to to impact the world after after tragedies or you know something really negative that happens in the community there's always people behind that that are uplifting each other um, and he crafted these skills to start the newspaper actually from his digital savviness through Instagram and Snapchat he was really one of the first people on those two platforms to really still tell stories uh, about other people and about helpers and do-gooders around the world. And he was featured on Instagram's blog and home feed. Same with Snapchat, he was, he was featured globally on that platform as well. Um, he's worked for some of the, the biggest brands in the world from Disney, Southwest Airlines, Square, featured in Seventeen Magazine, Fortune Magazine, Washington Post, Mashable. He has a background in photography and he uses that to, to showcase sort of these interesting things that happen all around the world. We talk a lot about his travels. Um, we talk a lot about that on this show because travel is, is, such a, is such a great way to, to, get in, to get a different perspective on the world and, and to learn about people. So it really came out of his travels where his social media blew up um, and started to use those platforms for good and telling other people's stories. So we talk about the, ma the the newspaper as well, as far as how you create a newspaper in this di totally digital environment, right? And what it was like to sit down and really say, you know, we really want to do this. We think this is a valuable um, thing that, that the world needs. So we went through a little bit about, about starting a newspaper <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other stuff. We dive into a lot of things that I think you'll find really interesting for, for your company, for your brand, and just personally be inspired by a lot of things he talks about. Hope you guys had a great week. Hope you have a great week this upcoming week, and we'll talk soon. Bye. <laughs> so how I like to start stuff is is kind of about people's journey and, and how they get to to where they are. And I know travel has sort of been a big part of your life. So if you want to start maybe there of, of, of how maybe early on travel kind of impacted you in a way to, to kind of get you to where you are now. If you want to, if you want to go yeah. through that journey, I think that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. So my background is in the world of photography and I mm. uh, spent years as well, first as just like a normal portrait photographer and then mm -hmm. shot some weddings here and there. But when I moved to Portland, Oregon, uh, that's when I first started working as a humanitarian photographer. And I started working with all these nonprofits and social impact brands, helping them tell stories of the good that they were doing, the solutions they were creating, the people they were impacting. And it started to take me all over the world. I was, uh, by the time I turned 24 i'd done you know six continents mm -hmm. uh I, I still have to do antarctica but there's not really people <laughs> in antarctica for the most part and i'm pretty drawn to people so uh i'll make it one of these days yeah. uh, but uh i was traveling to all these different countries and seeing that no matter what heavy issue i I had heard about in the news, whether it was, you know, maternal or child mortality or HIV and AIDS or homelessness or hunger epidemics, whatever it was, there were always people stepping up to help. And it, it reminded me of this quote from Mr. Rogers when he said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find uh. people who are helping. And it was proven time and time again, there are always helpers in the midst of uh, a typhoon that came through the Philippines. There mm -hmm. were helpers yep. in the midst of ev like every single issue that I was seeing, I would fly around the world and I would see that there are people who were helping. And not only that, but like humbly and secretly helping. Like, yep. like it was just like, they, they didn't have a Twitter account. Like they weren't <laughs> trying to make it big. They were just like doing good things uh, because they were that's what they did 
And and I wanted to come back and tell these stories, not to like reveal the big secrets of these people, but I wanted to figure out how to help people feel more hopeful about these problems. And so that's when everything kind of began for me. And when was when was that sort of transition from, you know, traveling and then coming back and sort of really figure, I mean, because once you have an experience like that, right, once you sort of have that yeah. few years of kind of euphoric of, of kind of just like traveling and doing what you love, right? I mean, there's a point where that kind of maybe stops for a second and you have to breathe a little bit and be like, okay, what do I really want to do, you know, with my life, with this talent, right? With these, this skill set. And what, what was that transition like when all that sort of maybe stopped for a second and you said, put a plan together and be like, yeah, this is kind of what I want to do in life, right? As a, sort of a business, right? As not, and not just like as a, as a young sort of person, just doing what they love, but make it, you know, your life's work. It's interesting. Cause it was, it was a slow evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was first getting started as a photographer, I started shooting professionally when I was 16. And there was this, uh, I had this older mentor, her name was Karen. And uh, she kind of brought me under her wing and taught me all about the the skills and tools and, and all like the logistical businessy and photography things that go mm-hmm. into running a photography business. But she also taught me how to use my platform to make a difference, how to use this unique talent or ability that I had been learning to to make an impact in people's lives. And that I think that's what really was the motivation for me to get involved working with nonprofits years later. And I think that that's something I was always trying to figure out, realizing, you know, I might not be a photographer forever. Mm-hmm. I might not, you know, be doing this same role forever, but whatever I'm doing, how can I make sure that I'm using this to tell stories that matter? And And so it was this slow evolution where while I was traveling, doing all this stuff with nonprofits, I I was sharing these stories on my personal Instagram just because I was like, oh, I want my friends back home to see these. And uh, I would go, I guess I I was sharing these stories and it was kind of the early days of Instagram. And Mm -hmm. so because what I was doing was a little bit different than kind of the traditional latte photos that everybody's right. taking early on in Instagram, I, I started getting some attention on Instagram. And, and so uh, a, a lot of followers started kind of rolling in and I started getting featured by, uh, I got featured by like uh, Forbes magazine, mm-hmm. uh, Mashable, and then Instagram themselves featured me like three times in a week on their account and on their blog, wow. uh, essentially saying, hey, this guy's doing something a little bit different. Check it out. And uh, then everything kind of skyrocketed. And I, mm-hmm. I had this huge influx of followers. And so then it was, you know, it wasn't just my responsibility at that point to do good with my photography. It was also my responsibility to do good with my Instagram. And right. so uh, I started leaning into uh, telling more stories through captions and, and, and things started kind of evolving from there. And I, it, it really was just this natural evolution. I'd never sat down with like a business plan and was like, all right, here's where I'm going to go from here. Sure, it was always, sure. what can I do with the platform I have now? Right. And it wasn't until even a few years later where I was like, you know, I think that my dreams on how to make a difference in this area, in this idea of reminding people that there is good in the world uh, so that they can feel more hopeful. It wasn't until a few years in that I realized that if that was my goal, I could make a bigger impact by going beyond just Instagram. And so sure. that's when the beginning of Good, Good, Good came. And we started <laughs> to build out more uh, more ways to tell these stories. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a funny segue, right? Because digital is kind of what, for lack of a better term, like blew you up in a way, right? Was kind of telling stories through, for lack of a better better term, it, it, technology, right? Your, yeah. your phone or your camera is high-end technology, right? Instagram's a platform, you know, built where everybody can see it all over the world. And then you start a newspaper, <laughs> right? The, yeah. The sort of, the <laughs> oldest, like the, the, but, but I love, but that's why I love when, when I first saw you, I, I, cause I saw you later, right? Like I saw you before, like after you kind of blown up, right? So like everybody kind of took your format, right? Of taking beautiful photography and kind of telling us a story, right? Like that's, that part's not new anymore. You've moved on. And then it, what interested me was that, wow, this dude's like super digitally savvy. And then <laughs> he started a newspaper and I was like, you know what? When everybody zigs, like you, sometimes you just got to zag. And I thought I was just like, 
this is amazing. I love it because at the end of the day, no matter if you're reading an interesting story on a caption of Instagram or on a piece of paper, it's still the same meaning, right? You still get the same impact from it. And the idea of reading, especially like sitting down and really opening, whether it's a book or a magazine or your case, you guys' case, a newspaper, there is something different, I feel Mm -hmm. like, right? Like there is sort of this immersion of I'm taking the most precious thing I have in this this world and giving it to you. And that's my time. You know, I'm getting time to sit down and open this and really immerse myself in this stuff. So I kind of wanted to go through what the thought process was from, you know, being like a, a digital person, right? Yeah. And then saying, you know what? Let's do a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is so funny. And I didn't even really actively, I mean, I knew it was weird to start a newspaper when I started the good newspaper, but uh, I didn't realize how weird of a jump it was because mm-hmm. I had already jumped from Instagram, not like jumped entirely, but like had started trying some new things and doing some weird stuff on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Like it was right when the stories came out. And yep. I thought, I think this is a unique spot to tell some meaningful and unique stories in a way that nobody else is. It was kind of my same thing as Instagram. And so, and so uh, I, and so I had started to kind of build this whole thing on Snapchat and I was creating all of this engaging content. I ended up uh, getting listed as like one of the top Snapchatters to follow on all, all these places. And, and, and just, again, just to give some context, what, what were you, what were you creating? Right? Like what was, give us yeah, an example. Great question. So my goal was every single day to go out and create one fresh cohesive story so not just like here's a little bit of my day all day but it's like here's one cohesive Mm. story all together and you know sometimes it was my daily life but trying to you know create something positive and meaningful from my daily life but oftentimes it was me on the ground in rwanda uh you know on the back of a motorcycle Mm -hmm. and then telling the story of where i was at you know it was this balance of of normal life and then also going off on these crazy adventures. Right. And and I started getting like listed as like one of the top Snapchatters. I started doing consulting for like ABC Family and Disney mm-hmm. and Paramount and all these folks uh, helping them figure out how to do this thing. And uh, and I ended up like even being named like or nominated uh, for a Shorty Award, which is like an internet award yeah, for Snapchatter right. of the Year, which I lost to, uh, <laughs> I got nominated twice. I got, I lost to uh, DJ Khaled the first year okay. and then Kylie Jenner the second hey, year. Hey, well, respectable which, L's though. Hey, if you're I know, that's L. like, that's, I, I the, it may, of course I would lose that. Of course. Yeah, of course right. And so right, 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 uh, right. that was, that was a really fun experience. Um, and it, so it's super interesting though, because coming right off of, you know, being this full-time digital person, for some reason, it made sense to start a newspaper. And, you know, at the time I had already started our podcast, Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey, yep. and I had started an email newsletter called The Good Newsletter. And the podcast was focused on, hey, here are people who are making a difference in the world. They're rejecting cynicism and rejecting apathy and using their lives to make an impact. What can we learn from them on how they're doing that? And then the newsletter was, hey, here's all the stories of good news from the last week. Every single week we'd Mm -hmm. send it out. So we were doing those things and realizing that there was, in addition to those things in my Instagram, that there was a community of people who cared about this idea and were maybe craving a place where they could be reminded that there is there are good people and there is good news in the world. And I just, I mean, I don't think I fully processed it until later, but uh, there, there was a study that I had read that kind of talked about and since then, I've, I've talked with uh, one of the key people in this, uh, but there's a study that says that our brains have an internal negativity bias and bad news sticks to our brains like Velcro mm-hmm. and good news slides right off our brains like Teflon. Mm. And I realized that the reason that we, all, a lot of our digital content was having a hard time competing with bad news for people's attention on social media or wherever was because of that idea. It's just the way that our brains are wired. And so I I began kind of thinking about like, what are the things we can do to like trick our brains into absorbing more good news? And (laughs) the great thing is I was like, well, I like I, if you're competing against bad news, the best thing to do is to just like 
remove bad news temporarily not forever because of course we have to know what's bad in the world in order to show up and be a helper but when we're trying to pay attention to good news how can we isolate the good news and so (laughs) we thought like hey a print publication might be a good way to do this and then the more we thought about it the more we're like well good newspaper would be a pretty fun name uh a newspaper is great because it's like you can make a whole lot more of them and you can give them to more people. So more people can have access to good news. Um, And we liked the idea of like, I mean, Kinfolk was really big at the time and, you know, it's these beautiful magazines, but they were only making like three a year. Right. uh, Maybe like two, like it it felt like it was so little. We're like, we want at one point, one day to be able to make these, you know, every week or every month. And so uh, we're like, let's do a freaking newspaper. And so (laughs) uh, we, were I mean it when I say we at the time it was just me talking with my friends you know sure, I sure. I was I was working out of a co-working space and I brought up the idea and and all my friends were really encouraging and I was like okay I'm, I'm gonna do this thing will you guys help me and I had you know a graphic designer friend and uh, I had a writer friend and uh, kind of a person who knew their way around some strategy for kickstarters and we we put together this kickstarter campaign and I at the last minute like the day before I started telling people, I was like, I don't think we should do this. I, I don't think it's going to be successful. I'm pretty sure this is going to fail and I don't want my name associated sure. with it. Uh, and I was like, it, I just don't know if there's anybody out there who actually like cares enough about good news for this. Like everybody right. will be like, everybody's been fine for years without this good news. Like they'll be fine without me. And my wife had to like talk me into <laughs> going live with this thing. And, and and I remember nervously, like my hands were shaking and just sweating down my armpits. Uh, when I, when I pressed that publish button and like wildly within 52 hours, we were fully funded. Wow. And at the end of our 30 day campaign, we had doubled our goal. And that was the sign for me where I was like, this is, that this is something that people want and people need. And and it felt so validating because I needed that. Like that yeah, was, for sure. I felt so overwhelmed. It, I mean, we launched like right, or we were like building this right in the midst of the presidential election. Uh, it was just so divisive. And there were, it felt like there were police shootings uh, yeah. happening all the time. And um, so it, this was like 20... 20- 16 like, yeah 2015 2016 okay. i think yeah 2016 and uh and i you know and i wasn't traveling as much so i wasn't seeing these stories of helpers as much and so this like right. i felt like i needed what we were creating as much as anybody else and yep. uh it was so validating to see that there were other people who needed this and so um we succeed we launched this <laughs> or we we, we like we are fully funded on Kickstarter and uh, like, oh, now we got to actually do it. <laughs> well, and that's the crazy thing. So like I had done the research and I had found this really cool uh, startup uh, that was based in the UK uh, that prints newspapers and they're wonderful. Like they're so cool. They've got great aesthetic. And I was like, oh, we'll go with them. Um, you know, we can figure out how to make the newspaper on our side, but they'll print it. And I reach out to them and um I tell him, hey, guys, so I know that we had talked about maybe printing, uh, maybe printing a few hundred newspapers with y'all. Thanks for all the help during the Kickstarter. Um, it turns out that the campaign was a little bit more successful than we thought. We're, we're looking at 10,000 newspapers now. <laughs> and, and, and they say, hey, Brandon, we're so sorry to tell you this, but like, that's too many for yeah. us. Like, we, we just can't do that. And I was like, no, we like did all the math around this. And uh, you know, it turns out it was like a, a you know, a customs thing and a shipping thing. It just costs yeah. too much to do. And and so the crazy thing was that was the wild path of like going going down the path of being like mentored by all of these like old newspaper men oh, in the yeah. industry, like all these white haired guys who were like on the verge of retirement. In fact, most everybody I, I've worked with in the newspaper industry is retired in the last two years. And so if I'd started this two years later, like, I don't know who would have taught Consulted me how to, yeah. exactly. And so started learning about the process of how to do this. We found a local printer that was great. Uh, and we, and we, you know, got started making this newspaper and we made a bunch of mistakes along the way. I, I mean, <laughs> it's, there's no, you know, there's no YouTube videos teaching you how to make a newspaper. Oh, in 20, yeah. You know, 2017, there's no blogs. There's, there's no nothing. You have to like figure out all the pieces on your own. Uh, 
but we we end up getting it out to people and it's been so beautiful and amazing to see this thing come to life and and hear the stories of people impacted by the paper and and how you know it it has ultimately just been a tool that's allowed them to feel more hopeful but ultimately to fill the world with more hope and uh to play a small role in that has been has been beautiful i mean it had to been it had to be so from when the kickstarter ended to when was like the first issue actually sent out? I bet it was about six months. Yeah. So the the newspaper right now has been quarterly. Uh, and so that first bunch was like six months till the first one came out and then three months right. uh, between each issue ever since. So that was, let's see. So, I mean, that's really not too bad though, man. I mean, six months. No. From not yeah, like, I mean, you know, I, there's a chance I'm misremembering <laughs> and just being over optimistic about it. But I feel like, you know, I feel like we got that first issue out in six months. Or, what yeah. was, and the first issue, what do you remember what what sort of the feature was and, and what sort of stories were in yeah. there? Yeah, it was the the feature story in the first issue was this guy named Devin Allen. And Devin Allen, maybe it's because of my photography background that I was biased around this, but Devin Allen is one of my heroes. He is a photographer from Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, he shot the he's an amateur photographer and he shot the iconic photo that ended up being used on the cover of time magazine in the midst of the protests in baltimore after uh a a police shooting and it was uh i think he was one of the first amateur photographers to be featured and uh it's he was highlighted partly because of his impactful work as a photographer telling that story of the people of Baltimore with empathy and thoughtfulness and nuance. But what I love is that the story has a second level because after he was featured as uh, you know an amateur photographer on the cover of Time Magazine, like incredibly iconic, he then begins to use this newfound influence it, uh, this newfound influence he has for good. And uh, he he starts uh, essentially creating a, phot- a photography program mm-hmm. for kids in his neighborhood to learn photography, to be able to have the experience that he had. Basically, he was given this unique opportunity to, to find success in you know, a community where it it was hard for him to find success as a photographer. And he used that as an opportunity to mentor youth, keep them out of trouble, and ultimately give them a skill set that would allow them to follow that same path. And he's impacted countless kids. He's gotten hundreds of cameras donated. Uh, Mm. He's created this incredible program in his community. And I love that it's just this multifaceted story where he's doing good and that good elevated him to a, a point of success and he used that to continue doing that good and to do more good it's it's just like uh how compound interests work <laughs> for <laughs> money it, compound good and compound giving back is is how all this stuff works right i mean that he's you see we all just see the time magazine cover right not yeah. the 15 years of hard work that he put in to even be in that particular spot to take that photo right and it's it's great that there's a there's a platform that could follow up on sort of the big story right because like the the thing about digital is that everything moves so fast right and the biggest story of yesterday is irrelevant the next day right how incredible that is right is that you can be you know, for good or bad, and mostly, you know, sometimes it's bad, right? Like you said, like our brain just sticks to negative news. So, you know, you could be this negative news story one day, the world moves on the next day, but then you are like destroyed, right? And now you have to, <laughs> you have to yeah. like live, right? And, and vice versa, right? Like you, you've kind of w- with him, he, you know, took this iconic photo, but like that one thing is going to impact lives for generations. Right. That one thing that that person did that is going to compound over years and decades and, and hopefully a generation with what, what he's doing with that. And that's why I love what you're doing with the newspaper, because a person can can follow up on that. Right. And and not even they couldn't even know about it. Right. Maybe they saw the time cover or whatever. And, and, and that's it. But then they get to fully immerse themselves on like what that actually means to an entire community. Right. Yeah. 
that will now get inspired by the work he's doing and the kids he's affecting that will now, you know, probably never even knew what a photographer was. Like growing up, I didn't know what a photographer was. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, what, what do you mean? I can't. So, so now that he, he, it's just, and that's right. And that's just one story from one issue, right? So that's why I really love the idea of, of how a newspaper could still exist in this, in this atmosphere. And that's why I think it's, it's actually one of the most creative things out there right now, man. It's uh, thank you, thank it, you. It, yeah, just, I mean, it's I, I love. I, I don't know. It, it it's just so interesting seeing it come to life and realizing that it that it does the thing that we wanted it to mm-hmm, do, which is mm-hmm. you know leave people feeling inspired and more hopeful. And there's some science behind that, you know, on on how it's you know our brains process print and all this stuff, but. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that we're all craving, you know, opportunities to look for good, but we just need an excuse to kind of do it. Another thing kind of along the lines of what you were saying, it's interesting is one other thing I love inside the paper is we created uh, at the bottom of every page, we've got a set of action steps on how mm-hmm. you can get involved in the stories you just read. Mm-hmm. And so when you finish reading, you know, you don't just move on to the next thing you, you, you know, if it connected with you, uh, there's tangible, practical ways for you to get involved in small, medium or big ways. And the goal is that that too would be a cyclical right. thing uh, that ultimately, you know, somebody decides to take action from the newspaper. And then, you know, a few issues later, we get to, we get to feature that person in the newspaper again, uh, as somebody who's a helper and that that story, you know, we'd have yeah. an action step at the bottom, somebody else would follow that and they make it into a future issue and the cycle continues. It's and like, so that like, that's where I get so excited is thinking about, you know, how we can be further equipping people to, to be good news stories and, 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 and hopefully get featured everywhere. You know, not just us, but, you know, in all the other platforms in the world. I wanted to go back to, to something you said uh, uh, earlier when you were kind of traveling and going to different parts of, of the world and kind of just discovering, you know, this whole different world, right? I mean, probably from from your perspective, I mean, being an American, like pretty much any part of the world is so different, especially, you know, developing countries and things like that. What were some of the stories that stuck with you to this day? I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot about it's there. There's so much. I just I just went to like four countries in my mind. Um, <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is this man named Manny, who I met in the Philippines and followed him around for for five or six days. And He's this man who he was a pastor, and then the typhoon came through and devastated a lot of the Philippines, and especially two of the communities he had been spending a lot of time in. And he basically, I think, he essentially quits being a pastor and is just like, "I'm, I'm going to help people, and I've got a few unique skill sets." And right. uh, you know, nothing specific that was like. It's not like he was active duty firefighter or like military like he didn't have the exact skill sets to like make a difference on paper but he's like you know what i know a lot about uh coconut trees uh, and i know a lot about I, i know a lot of people and uh and he he's one of these secretly incredible people uh and he just starts traveling around and asking people what they need and then figuring out how to help them do that. And one of the things he did was he had somehow figured out it's some number like 50 uses for different parts of, you know, the trees coconuts are grown on, including like what you can do with the shell around a coconut, what you can do with the milk inside of it, what you can do with the leaves, all these things. And because all of these trees had like, been toppled right uh and so they were all over the ground and he starts essentially creating financial means for people in this community to raise funds to support rebuilding their own communities right um using these freaking trees uh <laughs> and so he's doing that but then he's also just traveling from community to community be like what do you need what do you have what do you need what do you have and helping people collaborate and work together and it's this it was just such like a practical thing and we haven't even like written a story about it because i don't even know how to like yet yet i'll say yet because i don't (laughs) even know how to encapsulate like that whole story but it was just such an encouraging reminder that like there are people who are showing up to help in the most 
unconventional ways and you know if there is yeah yeah and i mean if there's ever a a, some sort of tragedy in my town which i hope never happens but seeing somebody like that allows me to like it reminds me how i can emulate that and try to do the same and and use you know whatever my unique skills are uh, no matter how bizarre they are and, and probably not photography or newspaper making, you know, it's something more right. obscure uh, <laughs> to, to, to help people where their tangible and immediate needs are. Um, it's, I mean, and I think I've seen that, that kind of ingenuity and creativity in every community I've been to stories of people saying, here's what I have. Here's the right. unique thing I bring to the table. Let me use this to help the people that I can help. And the thing is, none of us can help everybody and none of us can help people in every situation, but we all do have situations that we are uniquely equipped to help in and identifying what those are and leaning into those and knowing that like, sometimes that's enough. Like that's, that's (laughs) where you just have to be is so encouraging and rewarding and satisfying. When you guys look for, for certain stories is something, you know, unfortunately, like, like you said, I mean, tragedy sort of, you know, breeds, breeds help, helpers, right? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you, you, that stuff hap- that stuff does happen all the time, right? Every year, right? Bahamas right now is, yep. you know, going through, you know, some, and I'm sure there's a Manny there, right? In the Bahamas right now. Um, do you guys, when stuff like that happens, do you, do you try to focus on something like that to, to write about or under, you know, uncover a story about or is it or is it do you kind of have to wait till that stuff dies down and then start of maybe reach out and see if there's if there's something there that you could you can uncover yeah i you know i think it's a little bit of both and 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 i'll back up a little bit to say that you know we we, when we launched i knew that there were sites out there like upworthy and you know there were there were plenty of you know facebook groups and pages that were filled with quote unquote, happy news, you know, uh, and I think those things are great. I think they're wonderful, but I was seeing a gap in the market for the thing that I needed. And we've since come to describe it as we share, uh, we don't share feel good news. We share real good news. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we're so drawn to that. Mr. Rogers quote, that idea of, Hey, you know, Mr. Rogers as a kid is watching TV. He's seeing something heartbreaking and scary happen in the news. But instead of turning it off, he's looking closer. He's looking for the helpers. And so, you know, when there's a tragedy, to be honest, my first inclination is to turn away, to pretend it doesn't exist, especially when it's, you know, in the Bahamas or like, I don't know anybody in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. This doesn't affect me seemingly at all. And I have the privilege of being able to tune it out if I want to. But I've learned through the years that that's, you know, coming from an unhealthy place. If I do that, it's not, uh, it's, it's not fair and and it's probably not ethical. Uh, and, and what I need to do is I need to lean in and say, okay, well, actually before I even start looking for the helpers, I do want to be in a place where I'm emotionally able to like grieve that heartbreak. Right. You know, when there's a mass shooting, I don't jump straight into, okay, who like, who were the yeah. first responders? I think that's like ignoring the fact that like countless people's lives were forever changed in this moment. Yep. I want to fully feel that pain so that in the midst of that, when you find the helpers, when you find people who made a difference, uh, it's that much sweeter. It's that much more impactful that in such a difficult situation, they chose to sacrifice something to move the needle for somebody else. And so uh, that's immediately what I start doing when I, you know, hear about, you know, a hurricane coming through or a mass shooting or, uh, you know, an attack somewhere as I, I try to center myself. Uh, and my, my team does this as well. We center ourselves. We, we, we try to absorb and, and experience that pain, uh, try to recognize kind of the immediate needs and then look for people who showed up immediately to meet some of them. And we start celebrating immediately. And that's the, I mean, part of it is I've got a good network around the world of people who are doing good. Part of it is that people immediately start sending us good news. And then the other part is just that, you know, like 
I'll never be mad at technology and digital media because immediately I can go on yep. Twitter and I can start looking at geolocations and searching mm. through, you know, people reporting live from the ground and, you know, can verify that this is a legit thing and start, you know, sharing these stories. And so we we dive in immediately. And then, uh, you know, it, it's usually the first responder stories at that moment. Um, yep. And then we do love to kind of circle back down the road and, and, you know, see the stories of people who, uh, I mean, and first responders are so important. They're always so valuable, yeah. but I also am always captivated by the people who choose to stay and invest in a community and sacrifice long-term, you know, it's not a short-term sacrifice. It's I'm right. going to be here for a few months and help somebody, or I'm going to, you know, maybe somebody who lives in that community, like every day I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And so I think the rebuilding process is, uh, is, is so beautiful and inspiring to think about as well. And, and that's, what's interesting about the Philippines is, you know, I was in the Philippines a year after the typhoon, uh, kind of rocked everything. And, uh, I got to see the people, I get to meet the people who had done things, you know, day of and then i got to see the people who are still part of the rebuilding efforts and i'm sure you could go today and still see people who are you know making an impact in communities and helping you know make a difference and so it's it's an ongoing thing and uh we're always trying to hit on all those points wherever we can the one i i wasn't going to bring it up because it's always you know weird subject matter to talk about but when we're talking about helpers and people just kind of dedicating their time that happened with Hurricane Katrina. I'd say this all the yeah. time is that the people who were there were church groups, were the Red Cross, and it was volunteers who drove down from, you know, Baton Rouge and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these other places kind of about, a, you know, hour, two hours north that came in. And man, they just started doing the hardest work. I'll never forget, like gutting. Yeah. I've done a lot of crappy work in my life. Gutting houses in all in heat in New Orleans is in the summertime is the worst, dude. Like going through and like digging out. Like I remember we gutted our house, and like the mud was like foot high, right? And like the ceiling was mm. caved in. It's like it was so disgusting to pick through that stuff. But it was like, dude, they had people like walking down the street, like volunteering to help come do that. Like help you like get all this. I mean, it was just like, I was like, what? Like, I don't understand like how, how somebody just does that. And it was like the most incredible thing. Like these people would just come in and, and, and they, they absolutely were the reason that, you know, at least the area we were in that came that that had the opportunity to even come back, right? To even really sort yeah. of start to rebuild. It was it was just these people that were never gonna be on the news, man. You know, they were yeah. never they, they weren't doing it for some type of reward or something. It was just something innate in them that for them to help out, not even like a, a neighbor, right? Not even somebody new, just a fellow human being in person. Yeah. I'll just never forget. You're giving me goosebumps, dude. I'll never. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm choking up a little because I, I never forget those days of of seeing all those people. Like, dude, dude, some of the most devastating work, man. Like, hard, yeah. hard labor, and not. And looking back, it probably wasn't safe, man. I mean, we had like masks, like we had these little like nurse masks on, but dude, there was mold. You know, there's mold yeah. and there's sewage and there's all this stuff, man. And I was like, I just never forget. And that just, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff just, just sticks with you, man. When, yeah. when, you see people, when you see people act like that, it just, uh, it always puts things in perspective when you see all this, uh, other news out there, right. That, mm-hmm. that can be just well, absolutely devastating. And it even reminds me of like, you know, the Cajun Navy, which I believe maybe even came from Katrina, where, you know, it's all these people with boats and they're like, all right, how can I help? And they start helping people, you know, in a completely unorganized way, but they're making this big difference. And then, you know, a few years later, there's another, you know, there's another disaster in the South. And they're like, hey, let's call up all our old friends with boats and let's make this thing happen again. And they start showing up and year after year, they they organize and, and, and they, they show up to help people. And it's, I mean, 
do I wish that Hurricane Katrina had never impacted anybody, but you know, what a beautiful story that people took something so heartbreaking and devastating and have continued to pay it forward and help more and more people who are having the, you know, these are probably people who had like the worst, you know, month of their life, the worst year of their life. And now they're showing up to help other people who are having their worst year of their life in the way that impacted them the greatest years before. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it kind of becomes a, a fraternity of, of tragedy, so to speak, mm. is, is that when something, you know, if it, it, it might have the Bahamas or if it's Haiti, if it's New Orleans, if it's California, you know, there's a, there's a certain connection, human connection you have when something similar happens to each other, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm sure there's, there's some type of fraternity you don't want to belong, belong to at all, right? Is yeah. Parents of, of children killed in, in schools, right? Yeah. I'm sure there's some type of incredible network of people that hold each other together, you know, because there's just that's the only way to get through it is is people just individually helping each other out. And that's that's why I love stories, man. That's why I love what you do. It's like it's why I love what a, a, a slew of other people do is in a way you're dedicating your time to right to to go out of your way to, to find stories and take your time to write them in a fashion where, you know, you're almost making a, a movie of someone's life, right? Like in a, in an article, right? In, in a smaller fashion, right? But that's, that's a really powerful thing to a person that, you know, never intended that to happen. But like that, that's a great like solidification and like pat on the back for them. It's like, look, what you did fucking mattered, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it really mattered. And, and, this is our appreciation for that. As as small as like an article may be or written, it, 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 it there's some type of wave that happens in the world when you when you do that for somebody. So, and well, thank you, thank you for saying that. And it's, I mean, it, it's such a privilege and, and pleasure to get to be somebody who celebrates the good and shares the good with others and celebrates people who are showing up to make a difference. It's, uh, I mean, I think it pales in comparison to, you know, the people on the ground risking things for others. Uh, but it's, uh, it's something I'm very grateful to get to be a part of. And I'm so grateful that it matters to other people too. So what's the the future look like for, for the newspaper is, is it going to be, Quarterly, you said right now, and hope maybe possibly more issues. Um, yeah, what's it look yeah, like? we're what's dreaming up like what next 24 months, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's super. I mean, it's I always hesitate to to say what the future will look like because if you asked me 24 months ago sure. what I thought the future <laughs> looked like, I wouldn't have thought I would have a newspaper. I, I think it's, I think I'm still being like a snapshotter professionally or something, uh, but. You know, looking at the future, the big things that I'm thinking about are, you know, how can we give more people access to good news? Mm-hmm. How can people who feel a, a, a lack of hope, especially maybe as we get into what might be another divisive presidential election and um, <laughs> High as probability. we start kind of having more. Yeah, honestly. And as we start having more conversations around um, climate change and gun violence and, uh, you know, today as we're recording this, it's World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, So many topics that I think are going to be heavy for people as we continue to lean in and talk about them more in our culture. Uh, And and I just want to make sure that when people, I just don't want people to feel apathetic and cynical uh, Mm. because I think that we're at our best when we're all showing up to make a difference. And so my goal is to make the good newspaper more accessible to more people. Um, We've got a few ideas on how to do that and and how to get it in front of the right people. Um, But uh, we're really excited about kind of expanding the people that this is going to reach. And uh, so that's super fun. We're also seeing a huge influx of people, uh, of new people discovering us and subscribing to the newspaper. So they're getting it, you know, delivered in the mail to their homes and then, you know, they're enjoying it and then they're sharing it with other people. And that's super exciting. Uh, So we're excited about everything on the newspaper front. And then, 
The other thing that I'm really pumped about is just being able to share. I mean, I know that we badmouth digital a little bit in the beginning, but like being able to share more stories uh, online, you know, whether it's uh, on Instagram where we share good news stories every day or our email newsletter uh, or um, launching a new website in 2020. And so all of those things I think are going to be really fun uh, and exciting ways to uh, continue talking about people who are doing good and making sure that, I mean, I, I think especially like it's so good when you scroll through your, through your Instagram feed and it's like good things, like it's things that don't stress you out, don't make you jealous, don't give you FOMO, but they're things that fill you with hope. And if we can play a part in that by, you know, people following us and us being able to share more and more and more stories, then uh, that's the success in my book. The last couple of questions I had was, was one is when you, you know, for nonprofits, it's tough because usually they're, you know, they could be underfunded or they could have funding, but they don't know what to do with it, right? From from marketing and, and digital and all this yeah. stuff like that. So what, from your experience, you know, dealing with nonprofits of, of many sizes, you know, what are, what are some of the things, some of their ping points, right? Like what are, what are some of the foundational things that they ask you about of what they can do yeah. better? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, one of the biggest things that I hear people kind of talk to me about is, Hey, we're doing this amazing thing. I've got this story and this story, this story that I know about, but how do I, how do I get it out there? And I think that the biggest, the biggest mistake I see many nonprofits making is that they, they forget what it's like to know nothing. Uh, And, and I think that everybody, every nonprofit should figure out a way to tell the story as if the reader knows barely anything about what's going on. You know, so when we talk about, you know, the Amazon rainforest, we don't just start with the fact that the Amazon is burning. Uh, we introduce that idea because there are people who don't, who aren't paying attention to that and that they, they shouldn't be cut out from knowing what's going on. And then we explain the true backstory of why it's burning. It's not burning. I mean, it's partly burning because of climate change, but right. it's actually mostly burning just because uh, because people are burning it so they can, you know, have farmland to uh, raise cattle. Um, and so we're like, okay, well, well, that's the real problem. Uh, let's explain the problem with that. Okay, well, that's got a climate change problem, and uh, you know, it, so then you explain that context, and then we explain, you know, the good news, which is that this organization and this organization and this organization are working on it. And this legislation is in process in Brazil. And then we share, and here's what you can do about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, here's how you can support X, Y, and Z problems. And if you just jump straight ahead to any of those things without the context, then you leave a lot of people out of the story. And I think, nonprofits i mean of course you know if your your donors who already know who you are they may already know the existing problem you have but right. if your goal is to reach new people which i think you should because the world needs your good news the world needs right. the impact you're making uh then you know starting from scratch is a great spot or is a great thing to do yeah that's a that's a damn good point because <laughs> i think you even with companies right even with social enterprises and and brands, they're so in the weeds every day, man. Yeah. You just, you and you can't... get bored with it. You get bored saying the same thing every day, but you kind of yeah. have to sometimes. Yeah, but it, it's you're right in that it's foundation that, like you said, there's so there's so much information out there, right? From news to products to entertainment to to everything, right? It's that you're so in the weeds of it. Like a lot of people, they just need to be educated from the most, you know, basic points of like what you're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah. Whether it's whether it's an interesting new product you created, how does this solve a problem? Or if it's a nonprofit that has, you know, an issue that that you're trying to solve. Education at the basic level, man, is is so important. So it's a great point from from all perspectives. And the last question I'll have, I promise, is you know, you were kind of early on an Instagram, right? Kind of doing something different, right? And interesting. And then Snapchat. Is there is there I other newspapers, man? Everybody's going to have a newspaper in 2020. I'm calling it. <laughs> oh, so great. Um, is there is there any other uh, 
platforms that that you like to engage with maybe that that you're kind of thinking about being early on at maybe trying to st- tell stories different on another particular platform that people should think about it's tough it, man it's like it a, it's, almost, it, it's almost like it's kind of over and it almost seems like a yeah it's, it's yeah it, it's just really hard to start something new right now and yeah. uh and I, I think that might change over time i, I will say i freaking love tiktok i don't yeah. think anybody needs to join it especially not like not if you're a company or a nonprofit right now, but it's it's super fun to see. It's essentially just like just Gen Z having a good time making funny stuff. And isn't I, it just I, Vine though? Essentially, it's it's, just- it's effectively Vine, but it's a little bit more. Uh, it's a little more nuanced. I don't know. It sounds dumb to call TikTok nuanced, but anyway. So I was gonna say that as an aside, and to say that you know, the best platform is always the one that your people are on. You know, I still have a bunch of followers on Snapchat, but they're all, you know, like 17 year olds and right. I'm not trying to reach 17 year olds. So I'm, I haven't touched Snapchat in two years. Wow. Um, and so it's, it's fine to, you know, ignore some platforms, join others. But I will say the biggest thing that I think we're going to see a lot more of in the future is, uh, one-on-one or smaller group communication. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all a little bit done with like, just like big mass yeah. non-personal communication. I think it, it just, it doesn't feel good to any of us. And, yep. and, you know, for our purposes of trying to make a difference in the world, like we don't see it moving the needle. And so what we really focus on is creating as many one-on-one uh you know, conversations as possible. And so we do that with a lot of, you know, responding to people's DMs on Instagram or, um, or, you know, working really hard to be like great at responding to emails and like really sure. connecting with the people that reach out. Yep. Um, but you can also do it with things like Facebook groups. And so uh, whatever it is, like, of course, you know, I'm sure the big numbers matter when you're, you know, when you're a nonprofit or brand, but at the end of the day, every number is a person and you have to connect one-on-one with every person. Awesome, man. I appreciate the time. I know you're super busy. Dude, Um, no, this is such a treat and a pleasure and I'm I'm so honored to get to talk. Yeah. So I'm sure we're going to talk more um, for sure, but for, for this episode, we'll, we'll, we'll close it up and we'll, we'll talk soon and maybe we'll do this again, but I, I truly appreciate the time and uh, everything that you're doing, continue to do and, and will do going forward. Um, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm so I'm so glad we finally we finally got the chat. We've kind of yeah kind of we kind of follow each other from afar for a while, and and it's 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 great to to kind of do this, man. And and I love this medium where we could you know we could kind of sit down and you can kind of really really connect with a person. Like you said, every 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 person every number is a person, right? So it's uh it's good to it's good to finally chat, man. Man, I feel the same. Thank you.